I'm excited to be here this morning, and uh, we are in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, open to 1 Peter chapter number 2, and uh, we've been walking through this book, <clears throat> and uh, this morning we're verse number 13 and following, and we're talking about the subject of submission, uh, submission, and, uh, and it's all about submission for the sake of souls, submission of souls, and uh, <clears throat> I, I remember uh, being in North Carolina, I had opportunity and privilege to be able to preach around uh, for a couple of years and go to a lot of different churches. And uh, small churches oftentimes uh, do things a little differently. And uh, interesting in small towns, especially small towns, uh, they have a bell outside and they don't all use a bell, but it is interesting. I, I, in fact, I really enjoy it uh, when you go to church and they ring the bell, you know, it's time for service. And there's one, one church in particular and, uh, and they ring the bell, you know, unlock the doors and go in. And, uh, and they had a new pastor came and the new pastor was there and, uh, and he talked to the chairman of deacons who was the one that rang the bell and unlocked the doors. And, and he said, hey, <clears throat> how is it, how, how can we get some more folks to come? You know, how can we reach out there and get some more folks to come? And he said, well, <clears throat> every week I come down here and I unlock the doors and I ring the bell and I come in and have a seat. So they know we're having church. So if they come, great. If they don't, they can go to hell. <laughs> and you know, I think about the church today and I think that that's uh, unfortunately the place that we've gotten to. You know, with the Great Commission, the Great Commission says, go into all the world. I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. I want you to go. And we've changed that Great Commission to go to y'all come. They know that we're meeting. If they wanna come, they can come. If not, they can go to hell. And God help us, God help us develop a heart for others. Uh, this morning, when we're talking about this great commission that's been given to us, I pray understand the task that's been given to us by God Almighty, that he wants us to be his witnesses. He's entrusted us with the great responsibility and privilege to be his hands and feet to a world that's perishing. We are God's plan A to reach the, God, to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and there's not a plan B. He said, I want you who have tasted my saving grace to share with somebody else, to share with others. And this morning, we're talking about this little letter from Peter who wrote. And Peter happened to be here at the ascension of Christ. He heard Jesus Christ talk in Acts chapter number one and verse number eight, when Jesus Christ himself said, hey, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then I want you to go into Jerusalem and into Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts. And I want you to be my witnesses and so he understood, when you're reading this little letter, what, what, what Peter understood is this, that our walk has to match our talk. Our talk and our walk have to be succinct. They have to be one to, to validate the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so he's sharing some different principles as he's writing to people who are literally on the run for their life, uh, uh, enduring great, great religious persecution. And he writes this subject all about being submissive. And, and, and as he writes this subject and he addresses this subject, he's, it's not about, hey, listen, it's not about just being submissive for submission's sake. That's a mouthful. <laughs> but he says, I want you to be submissive for the sake of souls. I want you to be submissive because there are people that are perishing that they need to see Jesus Christ clearly. And if your lifestyle's not matching that of Jesus Christ, then you're messing with the message. 
And so he's saying, here's, here's this submission message for the sake of souls. Beginning in verse number 13, the Bible says this. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right, you may silence the ignorant ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. And then he goes on in verse number 21. But this morning, talking about this subject of submission... And, uh, and he begins with, with the mandate for submission. When you're talking about this mandate for submission, he says in verse number 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. And then in verse number 18 again, he says, servants, be submissive. And the term submit or submissive is a military term. He's saying is to, to, to order and rank and file underneath uh, one that has ultimate authority in your life. And so when you're talking about uh, a submission, uh, it's one thing when you're talking about uh, military uh, that, that we know to be true, and that is orders must be obeyed. Uh, orders do not exist to be discussed. Uh, they're not options uh, to say, what am I going to do today? Uh, but they're orders that must be followed. And so when you're talking about submission, submission is just simply saying, hey, recognize that there are, in fact, orders to be followed. And submission is just one of those things that we don't like to do. Submission is one of those things that we struggle with all of our life. In fact, it starts as little children and it goes on and on. Submission. In fact, I would, I would, I would even go so far as to say this, encouraging young parents especially. One of the greatest lessons that we can teach children is how to respond properly to authority. How to be submissive to authority. It's not to be questioned. It's to be followed. It's to be obeyed. And God help us understand that because if we're not teaching how to respond properly to authority, we are reaping what we sow as a nation. God help us understand. And it doesn't stop there, but it does start. It does start with little children. In fact, uh, it's interesting when you're, when you're around little children. I love little children. I really do. Uh, uh, one of my favorite times of the whole week is Good News Club. Uh, I get the opportunity to speak to kindergartners and first graders. This year is a little bit different, but typically it's kindergartners and first graders because they're shorter than I, and it makes me feel tall. But, uh, but, I, but I really do. I really do love to talk with, with the little children. It's just an incredible opportunity for ministry. But sometimes they can be little turkeys at the same time. Uh, you know, I, I'm, in fact, I remember going out here on the playground and, and having one of them climbing up on the top on the roof. And uh, I'd have done the same thing when I was a kid, but I know it was wrong. And, uh, and, and, and so, so anyways, uh, I did talk to him and, and he said, you're not my daddy. You ever had some little kid tell you that? I mean, seriously, uh, you might've read about in the Democrat. I hoisted him up from the flagpole out front, but uh, I like my job too much to do that. So I didn't do that. But, but on the inside, on the inside, I thought, I wish I were you, Daddy. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't stop with little children. It continues with us as adults. We don't like to be told what to do. 
What do you mean? Stay off the flowers. What are we going to do? Put our foot over there. <laughs> I mean, some people are better than others. Well, you know, 70 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour. Anyways. <laughs> Philippians, but, but, but Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, talk about this, this attitude of submission. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Watch how Paul puts it uh, as he's writing this letter. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Let me just ask a serious question. Is that a difficult mandate to follow? Do you, do you hear what he just said? Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And so Peter begins and he says, hey, there's a mandate for believers, for followers of Jesus Christ. You're to be marked with a submissive spirit, a submissive spirit. So the question would be to who? To who? For what? And so, and so he answers those questions as he continues on. Verses 13 and 14, he gives the magnitude for submission. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human, every human institution whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. And then if you jump down verse number 18, he continues this subject. He says, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. <clears throat> and so he's saying, hey, the magnitude to all human institutions. He pretty much covers everything. Paul, again, writing in Romans chapter 13, covers the subject. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, the apostle Paul writes it like this. He says, every person, every person is to be sub and subjective to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear uh, for good behavior, but for evil. What's he saying there? You ever, you ever driven down the interstate and you seen a state trooper? <laughs> you know what we do? We slow down normally. If you're really rebellious, you'll hit your gas pedal. But we slow down. They're there to take care of us. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what's good. And you'll have praise from the same. See what he's saying? Obey the speed limit. For it is a minister of God for you, uh, for your good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. And so, and so scripture just says, hey, there's a magnitude of submission to all, to all. Uh, human institutions. And he's writing to recipients, again, when you're talking about uh, recipients, the recipients of his letter specifically were living life under a monarch. And, and, and so when you're talking about Nero, Nero was whacked out. The dude was crazy. He was a persecutor of people. And if you contradicted, in fact, they lived in a land, they lived in a day where there was no such thing as peaceful protests. I mean, if you want to protest, you can rest in peace. I mean, that's about the way it worked with the monarch. 
And so I'm, I'm grateful to God that today uh, we don't live under the monarchy. But, but civil submission, government officials, when you're talking about government officials, what we must do is we must obey government officials. There's, and so we're living in a land where we have various branches of government officials. And so I'm grateful to God for that, the various branches of government officials. And sometimes uh, they're in conflict a little bit with one another and contradict one another. And so when you're looking at this text of Scripture, I'm sure that one of the questions that often times plagues us would be uh, a mask mandate. What in the world do you do with that one as a Christian, as a believer? And, and, and so that is a difficult one. That's a very difficult one to look at. It's a difficult one to address. And so uh, because, because, again, different forms of government. We have a local ordinance, a local ordinance where local commissioners and our mayor has said, you know, there's a mask mandate in place. And then our, it was overridden uh, by our governor of our state. And I'm grateful to God for Governor DeSantis. But it was overridden by Governor DeSantis. And he went so far as even to grant the church the opportunity to navigate as you see fit. And so, and so as a church body, what we do is, is, is we say, hey, I want you to have an option. And, and, and can I just share with you, I haven't had a chance really to address the subject much, uh, but I just want to encourage you again that we're living in days that are unprecedented unprecedented. There's nothing like the day in which we're living when we're saying, hey, healthy people need to quarantine themselves. It's kind of backwards as to everything we've done before. And so when you're talking mask mandate, what we have to do is show great grace and great mercy because we can beat each other black and blue. And we must be very, very careful how we speak about the subject. And that includes social media. Man, I am an American, and I'm praising God for that, and I do pray for our authorities, and I am submissive to authorities, but I've chosen to say, you know what? We're going to socially distance ourselves to the extent that you would like to socially distance yourself. You can wear a mask, and I would, I would say if, it, if that is your conscience sake, wear a mask. Absolutely and definitely respect that. If you don't want to, then great too, but when we gather for worship, one of my goals as, as a pastor is to remove all distractions, and I know for me personally, it's a very very much a distraction for me if I have to wear, so I don't wear uh, uh, because because I want to worship. I, I want to worship uninhibitedly. And you say, well, you, I'm not inhibited. Well, that's great for you, but I am, and others are. And so we have to respect one another and the differences that do exist. There's not. It, it's difficult when there's a little bit of conflict that's going on in our world. In fact, we're living in a day where it's very much divisive. There are some churches that have been split because of the issue. And I'm grateful to God and I commend our church family for respecting one another and for being careful and guarding what we're saying about one another. When you're talking about the world in which we live, the world says, hey, in fact, in fact, the latest commercial that's come out on television, perhaps you've even heard it, uh, public broadcasting have created uh, a commercial and the commercial says this, it goes so far as to even say this, hey, I'll respect you if you wear a mask. Because you got me covered. And, and, and that's all fine and good, but, but, but can I just share with you that, that we live life in a broken world. And in a broken world, there's death and disease. And we have to be careful. We have to be careful not to be manipulated by media. We have to be careful not to be manipulated by politicians who are playing games with a very serious, very serious sickness not to disregard the sickness that does exist. But God help us. 
not begin to beat each other black and blue and say you disrespect everybody because you choose not to wear a mask. Can I tell you something? There are 1.35 million people that are killed in a car crash every day. Do you know what that means? That means that this morning when I got in my car, I put you at risk. And you put me at risk. But I don't receive that as disrespect. I see that as life in a broken world. I don't want you to get sick, and I don't want to get sick. But God help us through the whole mask mandate thing. It's very unusual times that we're living in, and we must be very careful. But be very, very gracious and very merciful with those who disagree with you or who differ than you. Don't question whether they love you, whether they love God, whether they love their country or not. That's a ridiculous place to argue. And by the way, we can't argue till the cows come home. That's what they say, Mariana. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I tell you, I, I, need, to, I, need, to, I need to continue. I will say, let me, let me just say, I, I struggle. I, I, we all struggle. We all struggle. <clears throat> but I will say this, that when Scripture and the law come into conflict, Scripture rules. Scripture rules. Greatest struggle I've had through the pandemic is closing the doors of the church for a couple of weeks. God forgive me. Let us not forsake the assembling as some are in the habit of doing. I messed up. God forgive me. Respect law enforcement, civil. Respect police officers. Aren't you thankful to God for police officers? I mean, we're living in a day that's ridiculous when it comes to the authority, to local authority, to respecting local authority. Do I believe that there are some that haven't abused their position? Absolutely not. Probably more preachers abuse their position than police officers. God help us learn to respect. I mean, this whole idea of defunding police is about the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Seriously. I mean, that's offensive. Well, I'm sorry. Stupid. (laughs) Stupid. That's what it is. Ridiculous. God-ordained. Different forms of government. I'm grateful to God for our law enforcement. We need to pray for them. We need to support them along the way. He covers those. Verse 17, he says, honor all people. What's he talking about, honor all people? In other words, he's saying, hey, there is no such thing as a second-class citizen. The mandate for submission, how far does it go? It's not just about civil authority. It's about social impact as well. He's saying honor all people. He's writing to a people who understood what slavery was. There were people that were considered second-class citizens. He's saying there's no such thing as a second-class citizen. You honor all people, red, yellow, black, or white. God created them equally. God help us to honor all people. James chapter 2, the Bible says in verse number 2 through 4, James chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and, and you pay attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, and you say, hey, you sit here in a good place. But then you say to the poor man, hey, you stand over there 
or sit down by the foot. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? He's saying, he's saying, honor all people. So how do, how do I dishonor people? Let me ask you a question. Do you honor those that serve you when you go to a restaurant? I mean, some of, some of the most disrespected people are, 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 are people that are waiting on you. And we have these expectations that, hey, listen, I deserve better. And can I just tell you, <laughs> I don't, I don't. But I'm thankful for your service. God help us to honor all people along the way. You know what's interesting? Can, can, can I share? Okay, I'm going to share. She doesn't want to share. This submission, this, this subject, this subject, I've been praying about this this week. And, 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 and Bonnie is, is honest to goodness. Whether she's here, whether she's not here, I would tell you, she's one of my spiritual heroes in life. I'm grateful to God for my wife. I really am. She has a sweet, sweet spirit and has a heart to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But she's a person. <laughs> and uh, she had a phone call. Had a phone call. Uh, someone working service. And, uh, and, 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 and couldn't understand, had a difficult time understanding. You ever, you ever had that phone call where you have a difficult time understanding? And uh, uh, couldn't understand the one the other night and was getting frustrated. I mean, good night. Can't you, can't you speak clearer? Uh, you know, the struggle, the struggle that comes. And in the midst of it, the Holy Spirit of God put her under conviction. So she had an opportunity to say, you know what? Please forgive me. <laughs> you know what? I, I know Spanish. I know Spanish. <laughs> and she memorized John 3.16 in Spanish. Why'd she do that? So that when she has an opportunity to co- communicate with somebody that she can't speak their language, she can tell them about Jesus. And so she memorized it. And so over the phone, she had the opportunity and privilege to be able to share John 3.16, in the heart language of the person at the other end of the line. And then she had a friend for a while. (laughs) It wasn't just a service person. It was somebody that we ought to recognize God brought them into my life, not just because they're the servant, but they are somebody that Jesus Christ died for. And they're special. Honor all people love the brotherhood. He's talking about the church, man, having a, having a genuine love for the church. First John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In fact, when, when, when a person comes into your fellowship, when a person comes into your fellowship, one of the ways they should always describe a believer is that, man, I don't know a lot about them, but I know that they love I, don't, I can't tell you a whole lot about that person, but I'm telling you, they, they love. There's a love that exists in that place. And it's not just lip service love. It's a genuine love for one another. He says, love the brotherhood. The, the brotherhood, the brotherhood. He says, fear God, fear God. And, 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 and so when you're talking about fear God, uh, you know, when, when you're talking about this whole subject of submission, it's difficult. But fear God. Why? Because I'll give an account to him. I'm accountable to him. 
honor the king. One of the greatest ways we honor our our president is praying for him. Praying for him. I don't have to agree with his policies. I don't have to necessarily respect the decisions that are being made, embrace them. I can disagree with those things, but I can embrace and respect the position of president to the extent that I will pray for him. Pray for him. And so please be careful as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ that you don't go on social media and bash the one that God says pray for him, guard him. Are y'all okay? He goes on, verse 18, employers, employees. He's, you know, we, we're not talking about necessarily slaves and masters, but we do have employers and employees. And he's saying, hey, hey, even, 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 even if they're not right, even if they're not fair, even if you work for somebody sorry, because you know what happens to us oftentimes? We want to look for loopholes. That's what we do. Got to be a loophole somewhere. I mean, Christians, sometimes Christians, we as believers, man, we, we do a better job Morgan Morgan finding loopholes. Loopholes. He says, hey, even, even if they're not right, even if they're not right, submit yourselves to them. Submit yourselves <clears throat> to them. You know, what's amazing is God will enable us to do what he calls us to do if I desire to do but sometimes I don't desire it. God, help me, help me. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, Christians ought to be cream of the crop employees. That's what we ought to be, a Christian. A Christian ought to be that guy that's never late, that never makes excuses, that stays till the day is done and gives a full day's work while he's at it and does it with a great attitude. He says, that's that's who you ought to be. Why? Why should you do that? Because there are people perishing that need to see Jesus Christ, and that's who you're supposed to be. So submit while you're at work. God help us. And and, and, and what's the manner with which we submit? Because, by the way, we we could submit. We can say, I'm doing everything. I'm showing up in every day. But you know what I'm talking about? I mean, sometimes that's, that's, that's our attitude. But he says, here's the manner with which you submit. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as, as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. And he's specifically addressing in this text, I believe, people that are uh, in the midst of uh, slavehood. And, uh, and, and, so, and so when you're talking about this newfound freedom in Christ, uh, it's as if to say, I'm going to throw off what I'm dealing with on this earth. And he's saying, no, don't do that, uh, but rather be uh, honoring, honoring, again, uh, the manner with which Jesus Christ submitted. In fact, Ephesians, over in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, the Bible says it like this, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and in the sincerity, in the sincerity of your heart, watch this, as to Christ. Not by the way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill, with goodwill, render service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. 
What's he saying? He's saying God knows. God knows. Whenever you're giving a task to do that you feel like, that's underneath me. Or when you feel like, you're asking too much, that's not my job description. He says, you do it as if Jesus asked you to do it. And do you know that it makes all the difference in the world depending upon who asks you to do it because of our flesh? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You let somebody that I really love and really respect and really admire ask me to do something? Absolutely. And I'd do it joyfully. But man, some some people out there ask me to do something. I might do it. But in my heart, I ain't happy. <laughs> are y'all, y'all, are, y'all with me? I'm not saying that's right. What Jesus is saying, what God is saying in his word is, whether it's the one that you find joy in or the one that's really, you pray, God, give me a spirit of submission that I will do it with pep in my step. God, help me. God, help me to honor you in all things Why is it so important to be submissive? Verse number 13, backing up. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether you're a king or one in authority. In other words, why? So that I might exalt Jesus Christ, number one. Verse 13, so that I might exalt Jesus Christ, to make much of him, to give people a, a clear picture of Jesus Christ. Verse number 15, for such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. What are you talking about? Silencing critics. People who don't really know, who have a perception of what you and I are about as Christians. Do you know that there is a perception that everybody has about stuff? We have perceptions about things. Some of them are very ignorant perceptions. They're based on assumptions he's saying, hey, listen, make sure that your walk matches your talk. Because if you're talking about love and you really don't even give a rip about people, then your message is muddied. And so he's saying, hey, you, you can muzzle. You can put a muzzle on critics with your lifestyle. And for the sake of souls, verse 18 through 20, for the sake of souls, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Just finds favor. Uh, If if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there if, if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? What's he saying? He's saying there's a difference as a believer in Jesus Christ. He's saying, first of all, he's saying... Hey, listen, God knows when your heart's right. God knows when you're submitting for my sake. But also, sometimes you're mistreated along the way. And and, and sometimes you're mistreated along the way. And he's saying, hey, if you're mistreated because you've been stupid, then what kind of mercy ought there be for you? I mean, you deserve what you got, basically. But he's saying, "But but, 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 but when your heart's right and you've been unjustly treated... For what credit is there if when you sin, you're harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. And you know, when you're looking through Scripture, it's amazing just finding different stories in Scripture, how God uses 
a person's walk. Again, I, I made mention a couple of weeks ago somewhere along the way. It's not just a walk. It's not about a silent witness. A silent witness isn't a witness. So, so there's got to be a talk, but, but my talk must match my walk. And so today we're talking about walk. Interesting. And when you're talking about being submissive, submissive doesn't mean silent either. It doesn't mean silent. The attitude of the heart, how do I respond and respectfully uh, uh, acts in, in, in Acts. Acts chapter number 7 records the first Christian martyr, Stephen. You can go back and read about it, and I want to encourage you to read about Stephen. Stephen was a guy that was serving Jesus Christ faithfully, ended up costing his life, ended up being, being killed uh, because of his faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and what's interesting is when you read the story of Stephen, the Bible introduces us to another person in Acts chapter number 8. And in Acts chapter number 8, verse number 1, the Bible says, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. So what does that mean? Saul was standing in the crowd when the first... Christian was martyred for the faith. And he was able to see a man who was respectful to his critics, who was totally submitted to his God, who magnified him greatly. Saul eventually was converted. And I can't help but think that Scripture records Saul watching because of the impact that Stephen's martyr had on the life of Saul. You don't know the impact of your life on others. I'll never know the impact of my life on other people. God does, but I do know this. God wants to use me, and he wants to use you to reach the world. He does. And so many times we're missing out on that because we've lost our burden to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Several years back, several years back, uh, uh, Rick Warren wrote Purpose Driven Life. Remember the book Purpose Driven Life? Everybody jumped on the bandwagon. That's wonderful. It's a wonderful book. It's a very challenging book. Wonderful. But, but, but I can't help but ask the question, why was it like the best-selling uh, book for many, many years. And, and I can't help but think that possibly it's one, one, one of the reasons, one of the reasons I think that probably led to the rise of the book was because so many Christians who come to church and the extent of their Christianity exists within the walls of the church. And their thought is this, there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to life than coming and hearing another sermon got to be more to life than just loving those who walk in the doors. And the fact of the matter is, there is. Philemon 6, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you may have a complete or a more full joy of every good thing that you have in Jesus Christ. Paul was writing and he's saying this, he's saying, hey, if you're not intentionally sharing with others, you're missing out on a great joy of the Christian life. Great purpose and meaning in the Christian life. Our walk must match our talk. And the walk must be marked with submissiveness. And it does contradict the way of the world. It is different and it is difficult. And this morning, if you're hearing you say, well, man, I don't know about that whole submissive junk. And those words have been used. I don't know about that submissive junk. Hey, look at this example. 21 of our texts today. For you have been called for this purpose, 
since Christ, since Christ suffered for you. Leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. In other words, he didn't deserve it. He was innocent. We're not. He was. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins and his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. You know what he's saying? Jesus Christ himself was fully submitted for the sake of your soul. He didn't deserve it, but he did it. And he says, you go and do likewise. You do likewise. Submit for the sake of souls. God help me to be faithful to him. Would you do me a favor and join me for a time of prayer? Hey, this morning, we're going to pray. and After we pray, there's a song that's sung. And it doesn't conclude the service, but after the song is sung, we'll disperse. But it's an opportunity during that time to come. And, and maybe you hear this morning and say, hey, I'd like to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. I don't know what's going on in your world. I don't know what's going on in your life. But maybe this morning the Holy Spirit of God has just touched you. And you would say, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to talk to you this morning. Today we have people that will be down front waiting on you. And I'm inviting you, please come this morning. Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for loving us. And Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for the cross. God, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And God, you who knew no sin, you were perfect. You demonstrated your great love for us. And that while we were sinners, you died on the cross. And Father, we're thankful that you conquered death in the grave, that you're alive. But God, there are others in our life, in our world, that don't deserve. But they're in desperate need of grace and mercy. Help us, God, help us to extend the grace and mercy that we receive from you. God, thank you for this moment. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.